about you, but I enjoyed the music this morning. As always, you know, there's not very many places you can go and hear some of these wonderful hymns. The choir started off with, In the Presence of Jehovah. We are living in the presence of Jehovah because God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He's omniscient, which means he knows everything. And Gail and Larry, he knows what you did the last six months down there in uh, Palm Springs, Arizona. It's good to have you guys back this morning. Good to see your smiling face and make sure I get a hug from you before you leave this morning. It's in reserve. It's in reserve. Amen. <laughs> then we sang, Oh, Worship the King. Man, that's what we've come to do. You know, we want excellence in the word, in our worship, and in our witness here at Westside Baptist Church. And then we sang, my, or Bruce actually played, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Uh, <clears throat> tonight, we're going to have opportunity uh, to go over to our property over in Irving. So don't come here tonight at 6 o'clock. Now, those that are working in Vacation Bible School, you come here at 5 o'clock. Because Pastor Dan has told me that I'll be fired if we don't have enough people here uh, tonight at 5 o'clock. So you come. I'm joking with you, but uh, I, it's kind of awkward coming here at 5 and going over there at 6. So we didn't put two and two together. But uh, we're having the meeting for Vacation Bible School. If you'd like to help us in Vacation Bible School this summer, be here at 5. And then go over the property at 6 tonight and take some time. We're going to have uh, the plans out there. And Mike will be there to answer questions. And we'll be around. And we're going to put up little... Uh, Names on the, the, the rooms that are out there. So you can see, oh, this is where the prophet's chamber is. Oh, this is where the nursery is. This is where the bathroom is. And we've got a few surprises out there uh, to you. So you come and enjoy that tonight at 6 o'clock. You might want to bring a little jacket. Uh, we'll be outside. We can't have the service inside. We'll be out on the deck. You can imagine we get 100 people on the deck. We're about the same number as what we can have here in our church service. You know, isn't that something? So you come tonight at 6, and we're going to spend some time uh, just going around praying also over the building and just the different aspects of it. You can bring a magic marker if you you want and write on the 2 by 4s and says, I was here, or whatever you'd like to do. Uh, I would love you to write a verse down of promise, uh, teaching of God's Word or something like that. Uh, you're welcome to do that tonight as we have opportunity. And as our contractors come in, they can read some of those verses. That'd be all right too, wouldn't it? As uh, we have opportunity to be a witness out there. So just remember that. And uh, as uh, Bruce, my faith looks up to thee. And truly, that's where our faith does look up to, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I appreciate what Don said this morning, that we have faith in him who is the one who sent his son to be our savior. And uh, grace greater than all of our sins. I am thankful for that. And Calvary covers it all. Well, those are good songs, aren't they? Where would we be if it wasn't for Calvary? We'd have no hope of everlasting life. And I hope you have accepted the Lord as your Savior, because that's the way to get into heaven. Someplace, someday you'll die and you'll spend eternity somewhere. And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, not through this church or this pastor or your home or the money that you give or anything else. It's through Jesus Christ. We try to make that very clear, because sometimes as we get into the Bible, there are things of responsibility that we talk about. And sometimes we equate that responsibility with getting into heaven. We need to understand that heaven is a gift. It's free. It's been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to accept him. You need to recognize you can't get there by how good you are because you are a sinner. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and come 
come short. That's all he has to be. Come short of the glory of the Lord. You've sinned. We've all sinned. All have sinned. Uh, but <clears throat> the responsibilities that we do after we are saved is what are the rewards of heaven. We need to make sure we understand those two camps, all right? Because sometimes we'll sit in church and we can get, get, get confused. Uh, I always thought that <clears throat> I would be good enough to get into heaven, or if I did, my good outweighed my bad, and so ever so often I'd be good just because I was bad the week before. You know, I grew up in a Catholic religion where you could live kind of where you did, and you went on Sunday to confession, you got everything straight around, and then you go out and sin again, you know, or you drop in a little extra money to take care of things, or some type of penance, or some type of indulgence. And listen, that doesn't get you there. It's only Jesus Christ. So understand that. <clears throat> and as we we get into this and what we talked about last week, and, and that is the, the glory of the Lord. And we, we started talking about this aspect of relationships. And we started talking about marriage and the family. <clears throat> and, I, and I said some things, and I, I'm trying to be very careful in how I present this, in that we understand that we have a God who hates sin. And by the way, if you do not have the outline... We've been on this for about three months now. If you'd raise your hand and ushers, why don't you guys come forward and we'll give you the outline. Uh, you can hold this in your Bible. Probably be the next two weeks that we'll be covering this and finishing up this as well. So you can hold on to that and bring it back. And you can also go online and see some of the message in the series on the glory of the Lord. We spent a lot of time here <clears throat> because this is one of the chief ends of man is to bring glory to the Lord. So after you are saved, you want to bring glory to him. And we talked about relationships. And last week we talked about marriage. And understand that God hates sin. Yes or no? Yes. doesn't matter what sin it is. God hates sin. And sin is missing the mark. Preachers need to shoot straight. And they need to say what it is and what God says about it the way God says it. Because preachers need to shoot straight. If a preacher doesn't say the way God says it, then he's not shooting straight. And sadly today, we have a lot of things going on in Christendom that is not shooting straight. Because people would rather have their ears tickled than to hear about their lives before God. Preaching on sin is not popular. People want to hear, well, tell me something good. Well, I've already told you something good. Did you all catch that? Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you. That's good, isn't it? That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what the word gospel means. That's good news. But as I grow my life and all, the more I understand how much he hates sin, and I ought to hate sin. And so when we talked last week about God hating divorce, all right? And, and, and all of us in here, we should hate divorce. Yet most in here or many in here have gone through a divorce were raised in a family that had a divorce. But in saying that, God hates lying as well, doesn't he? God hates and those things that we shared in the, the book of Proverbs, those seven things that he lists there, that he hates those who sow discord among the brethren. So understand that God hates sin. And so as we preach about these things, it's not a hate message or anything of like that is to identify what God hates so that we can have a moral compass and a moral code that brings us in the right direction. Right. But understand that everyone in this room, we have a past. We have things in our lives that we wish weren't there. Isn't that right? Because the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
So as we get into this aspect of marriage and the family, God hates sexual activity, all sexual activity outside of the bonds of one man and one woman in the marital covenant of coming together and joining and becoming one. All right. So as we talk about homosexuality, or as we talk about affairs, or living together, and all those kinds of things like that, God hates sin. And what's happening today is our moral compass is being broken, or is being established by what man think, rather than what is thus saith the Lord. And so we need to get back to that. And as our politicians, and as our Supreme Courts, and as our <clears throat> churches, and as our pastors, and Whatever it might be, we need to go back to what does God say? Because ultimately, we are going to be answering to him based on what he says in his word. And so we need to read it. We need to be familiar with it. And I thank the Lord that we get the opportunity to study it. And so last week, we talked about marriage. And I appreciated Carolyn Johnson's testimony. Do you all remember that and appreciate her testimony last week? It was so good. And the fact is there that in marriage, she said that, you know, I had spent years trying to fix my husband. And finally, God got a hold of my heart and says, I need to fix myself. And, you know, oftentimes that's what we try to do. We try to fix other people when God wants us to work on ourselves and take care of those things in our own lives. And we talked about that in a great capacity. And then we talked about giving gratitude. I think last week I shared with the first uh, uh, worship service about the woman. I think it was Brother Kistler that shared this or one of our missionaries that shared this with us of late that uh, this woman went into... Uh, seek a divorce from her husband and uh, sought some legal counsel and some other kind of counsel about what she should be doing. And the attorney, I think, told her, well, you go home and for one month, why don't you just go and try to find out what is good in your husband and then come back and see me. So she went home and uh, she started to look for those good things in her husband rather than in the failures of her husband. And she came back a month later and uh, the attorney says, well, do you still want to file a divorce? She says, oh, no, I'm married to a wonderful guy. <laughs> it's amazing how our, our heart of gratitude can change uh, our heart towards other people. You know, how much better is it to be praising people and to rejoicing in the Lord? You know, people are, are so negative today in those kinds of things. And, and God wants a grateful spirit, doesn't he? Uh, does God want us to be complaining? No, he wants us to be giving praise. And just the passage that you read. Pastor Dan, in Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And it's amazing what praising can do. It can change our hearts. It can change our thoughts. You know, we, we can see problems. And I'll tell you what, there's not a day that goes by that I, there's not some problem in my life. How about you? Not a day goes by. There's not something that I have to deal with. And oftentimes I don't deal with it properly. And so God help us. To be a praising people, to rejoicing people, and all. And so as we got into marriages and we talked about these things, I wanted a good balance there. Because as we have redefinitions taking place on marriage, or we have Hollywood producing the immorality and the, the, the norm of today, the moral compass is not following the scriptures. And it is hurting people. It's not helping people. Sin enslaves. And going in directions and telling people that this is all right, only to find out that this causes great difficulties. I was talking, I think it was you, Yoshi, that uh, as we were growing up, there, there's been different mindsets of, of things that are right and wrong. 
Uh, you probably remember when tobacco maybe first came out. Maybe some of you don't. Maybe it came out before you came out. You know, I don't know. Probably did. I don't know. I'm looking around. I thought you all came back a while back, but I don't know. But when, when tobacco first came out, it was kind of the thing to do, wasn't it? And in fact, women even sought after being able to smoke it because they wanted to be like the men, having that privilege to smoke tobacco. What did they find out as the medical uh, professionals got involved? They found out that tobacco hurts your health. And now, though people had gotten into it, it had become an enslavement to it. When, when pornography started coming out and, and people in this world, it was very uh, commonplace or it wasn't no big deal. But then they found out that pornography puts hooks into to the minds of those that view it. And so these habits and these addictions and, and these things, even as a social drinker or whatever, they find that there's habits that develop in their lives and, and sin begins to enslave. And the devil wants to enslave people and to drag them down in the wrong direction. We have a gracious God and we have a merciful God. And I want us to make sure that we're not being shackled by our past. We all have a past. But we have a gracious God who takes us forward. There can be things, there can be scars of our past that we're not going to be able to get over. But I want to march on forward because I have a gracious God. But I also don't want to take His grace for granted either. You know, Romans chapter uh, 6 it says, talking about God's grace in chapter 5 there, and goes into chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? God forbid. No. No. I don't want to take for granted God's grace, though I am thankful for God's grace, because He gives me far more than whatever I deserve. But I have had and seen people that Continue to hold on to their sins and they don't get rid of it. And someday the Bible says your sins will find you out. And how sad it is, how many tragedies, how many families, how many things have been destroyed just because we don't follow God's plans. So as we got into that, that marriage and family, I was planning on going into the next and our children and, and, and more into that. But I'm going to save that for next week. Is that okay? Next week is Mother's Day. And so I'm just going to refer to some of that next week and develop a message just on that aspect. But bringing glory to the Lord in our relationships, what's the next one on the list up there? Your money. You say relationship with your money? Can I say that some people have a stronger relationship with their money than they do with their spouse? And sometimes they have a stronger relationship with their money than they do God. In fact, it is in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, where the, the, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then he concludes that, that section right there, and he says, You cannot serve God and money. And we need to ask ourselves, Is my relationship with my finances Proper, Because as we talk about relationships with people and things and things like that, we come now to this aspect of our money. And I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We'll get into verse 17 through 19, but we're going to start a little bit earlier if we could. So if you'll turn your Bibles to uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you're following in your notes there, you have to skip down to probably about two-thirds of the way through those notes and you'll find... 
where 1 Timothy chapter 6 is mentioned. Hopefully you can find that on your notes. But we're going to read a few more verses than what's on your notes, so if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it's interesting as we look at this passage. He starts off in verse 1. He says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. And we need to understand that slavery has been a part of humanity for a long time. And what Paul is telling Timothy is to to preach a word that if you are a slave, and slavery was truly uh, paramount there in the Roman Empire. And by the way, people are slaves today. Did you all know that? You are. You can be a slave to sin. You can be a slave to your job. You can be a slave to money. You can be a slave to your addiction. Uh, if you have a debt, you know, that's one thing that really concerns me as we are in this building project, uh, that the Bible says that the, uh, the borrower is servant to the lender. You need to be careful on your debt ratio there. Asking God what he would have you to do. We are in a mindset today that the more stuff I have, the more fun I have. Have you ever noticed that? What I've realized is the more stuff I have, the more I have to fix. And the older I get, I don't mind getting rid of some of those things that I have to fix. Uh, because I'm having to fix myself a little bit more these days. And, and, and that goes on. He says here, but the servant are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor. So there are, there's codes of conduct between a slave and a master. This is a part of society. It's still going on today. And truly, the Bible talks about that the master needs to treat his servant right. In fact, the Bible even says, did you know this? I think it's in the book of Proverbs, I think. It says that, that a righteous man treats his animals with kindness. Isn't that something? I mean, so, so there's no, just because you are the boss or you have a lot in your life doesn't mean that you should speak and treat others cruelly or roughly. In fact, the Bible talks about that. He says that that, that is a common place where people that have a lot, they begin to lord it over those that have little. And so he's given some principles here when we talk to our uh, uh, legislator up there uh, a couple weeks ago on Monday up at the Capitol, and we talked about some of these things. The biblical principles helps in all these cultural dealings that are out there if men would follow the Bible. But the trouble is, men are sinful, and they take things in the wrong directions, and they abuse what God has has uh, allowed to take place in, uh, in, 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 in our lives. He says, verse 2, and they that have believing masters. So here you are a slave now in this culture. He says, don't despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. So Paul is telling Timothy that you need to teach people how to deal with this aspect, if people are in the congregation. In fact, sometimes the boss or the slave master and the slave would be sitting in the same services. Can you imagine how that would be? It was just a different mindset, a different mentality than what we see in the abuse and, and the things that are taking place uh, throughout history. He says in verse 3, If any man teach otherwise, 
and consent not to wholesome words, and that word is healthy words, do unto others is a part of that, uh, that you do unto yourself, even the Lord's of our, uh, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. God wants us to live in a godlike way. He says he's proud. So if this person is not dealing with his affairs, in, uh, in, in today we could think of, a, of a, an employer-employee relationship. If the things are not dealt with properly, he is proud, knowing nothing, and doubting about or unhealthy questions that are being brought out. There's strife, there's uh, uh, envying, there's uh, railing, there's evil surmising. In verse 5, there's perverse disputings. I mean, a lot of times, wars are created because of how much taxes they can get from other people. And a lot of times, people make decisions in their life based on the, quote, almighty dollar. And people go out and they conquer and they destroy and they get into contentions because the focus is upon how much stuff they have. And he says they become proud. And he says that there's this cancer. The word perverse there is actually the word for cancer or like cancer. Disputing of the men's of corrupt mind. And here this mind, he says it is destitute of the truth. Now what measure in our own lives is this taking place? But notice what he is describing here. He's talking about these relationships with people. How we treat others. And everything. And then he goes on and he says, These people are destitute of the truth because they believe, last part of verse 5, that supposing that gain is godliness. Now that happens today, even in our churches. There's this prosperity gospel that is being preached. That if you go out and you live for God and you do what God wants, you're going to name it and claim it. That is not the concept of Christianity, my friends. And in fact, sometimes the more stuff you have, the more ungodly you can become. And what you'll find in here is the pursuit. Those that pursue, and he talks in this next verse... He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. It's not, you're, you're not going to have your satisfaction in life by the things that you have, but a godliness with contentment being satisfied with what God gives you. And I'll tell you what, there's been periods in my life where there has been great satisfaction with very little in our lives. In fact, I... I shared this story with you a while back that I uh, prayed a couple years ago. I think five years ago, I think now. But I was thinking in my office chair there, I was thinking, boy, you know what? When we first started the church, we had very little. We raised our six children uh, most all years without medical insurance. The church has never had opportunity to provide for retirements and all those kinds of things. There was a dependence on God and God brought great satisfaction because the little miracles were such treasure. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, it would be wonderful to have that again. Now, what I realize is when I pray, God listens. And sometimes the answer comes different than what you prayed. Have you ever done that? 
By the way, uh, you know, we know uh, what's Romans uh, 8.28 says? For all things work together for the good. God's good and your good sometimes don't line up. The Bible says sometimes we call a blessing a curse and a curse a blessing. And as I was praying that, and you say, well, that was kind of stupid to pray. You want to go back to poverty? Yeah, kids. No, six kids. Yeah, not that. But... Uh, uh, God listened, and, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts your prayer, and you don't know what you're praying. In Romans 8.28, it says, all things work together for good. But Romans 8.27 says, for we know not what we ought to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. And sometimes we find that we maybe don't understand why we're praying what we do, but later on we discover the the dynamics of that prayer and how God used that prayer and remind you of that prayer. I've shared this with you as several times in my life. I prayed one time that I would, I would help me to lose weight. I had six kidney stones, lost 10 pounds. One year I started praying, Lord, help me to have a greater compassion, enlarge my heart. I herniated the disc in my neck and I was out of the pulpit for eight weeks. God reminded me, you prayed, you asked that. And yet, you know, I would say, boy, that was, that was such a difficulty. God meant it for good. And when I prayed, Lord, you bring us back to that time where we trusted you more. Little did I realize that within a year, within a year, we had a $105,000 deficit come our way. A $105,000 deficit. And when that happened, God just says, you remember praying that? I says, yes, I did. And I surrendered to that because I knew that was a part of God's plan. You sometimes financial disasters can be a part of God's plan. So you begin to love and trust him more. And God used that in our lives. And, and uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse uh, someplace in there, it says... Be careful for nothing. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Verse 6. Let us be made known unto God. I'll tell you what, my friends, when we are praying to God, we need to be giving thanks for however He's going to be answering that prayer. Because God does hear us. But sometimes our prayers come back a little bit different than what we anticipated them to come back as. Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts through Christ, uh, hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you know what, uh, Alicia? God gave a peace. He can give a peace through cancer, can he? He can give a peace through retirement and through the ailing processes or whatever might be going on in our lives. And I don't know how it was or how God did it, but God helped that debt to be taken care of in the next two years. And I look back at that, and I know I have a God who's able to take care of me. We need to be putting Him first, and we need to have the right concept about our finances. He says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. In verse 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Amen to that. Why would we want to take our junk with us? Bless her heart, Rose moved from years of her life 
And you all know how it is when years of your life come on, how much stuff you can get. Some more than others. And, and Rose, bless her heart, I mean, she's getting rid of stuff. And she had a piano. And she said, no one bought it. So she says, would we like to give it to the church or use it someplace? And that is a beautiful piano. Just a beautiful piano. We had to go over there. And we had, you know, we ever use that word had to. Saturday, I got up early before the work day and I went to see Steve Waterfield who was in the hospital. I says, I have to go see Steve. And but as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I said, that's the wrong attitude. I get to go see Steve. Steve could have died. I get to see him alive. Going over there, picking up that piano. By the way, that was the heaviest piano I have ever picked up. Now, unless you think I picked it up myself and looking at me, I'm sure you came to that conclusion. We had six of us do it. I told Rose in the first service, I said, aren't you glad you don't have to carry that to heaven? We get to leave it all behind and we get to leave this body behind. And God's going to give us a new body someday. His stuff is better than our stuff. And so he says in here, supposing that gain is godliness, it's not. Contentment is godliness with great gain. He says we're going to leave everything behind there in verse 7. Job said that. He says, blessed giveth the Lord. He giveth and he taketh. He says, having food and remnant, let us be there, there with what? Content. You know, I hope that we give thanks when we bow our heads to pray for our foods at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Lord, thank you for this food that we have. You know, gratitude is dying on man's altar. I think it was Dr. Bob Jones Sr. who said, When gratitude dies on a man's heart, he is well nigh hopeless. May God help us to be grateful for the things that we have, for the treasures. He says in verse 9, and catch this, this is a philosophy. And I believe this is, this is what's happening with people. It happens to them in church. It happens to our, our, our economy. It happens to this world. They that will, that will be rich. In other words, their, their desires to be rich, they fall. The word fall there is an interesting word. Because you think of falling down. That's not what the word means. The word has the idea of power. What he's saying there, that when you have a desire to be rich, there's a power there that's grabbing hold of you. It can be an addiction as well. The pursuit of things that we want in this life. He says they that have this desire, they're getting under this, this power and it becomes a temptation. And this temptation begins to take people off their moral compass and they begin to do things and sell out some of their future or their family in the pursuit of their game or their things. He says, not only is it a temptation, but a snare. You know what a snare is? It's a trap. It's a trap. Now, God says it in His Word. We need to wake up and realize that what He says is true. And we need to examine ourselves. What are we pursuing? What are we looking for? Why are we going to work tomorrow? Why are we going out and doing the things in our lives? Is it to pursue our comforts and our fancies? Or do we want to bring glory to the Lord in the finances that He gives to us? Get what I'm saying? Parable of the talents. How many times 
things in the Scriptures that talk about having loved this world. We give up those things of eternity that could have been in the rewards of eternity, the treasures of our heart. How many things he talks about here. The snare. Now, as your pastor, do you think I should tell you about the traps that are out there in life? Yeah. Or if I see you're going in that direction, I say, well, you know, Brother Chuck, he's just going to fall in that hole. That's all right. Or I say, Chuck, stop. Stop, don't take that next step. You know, the Bible says walk circumspectfully, walk carefully. It's interesting how many concepts are brought out here in this Scripture that so uh, fit with other Scriptures. He says, snares and into many foolish and hurtful men in destruction. You know, you ever think of a way to die? I'd rather not die drowning. Anybody want to drown? Anybody come close to drowning? It's scary when you can't breathe. And maybe that's where you are. You've been pursuing those things that are part of this world and you're suffocating yourself and your love for the Lord and your family. And I have seen uh, men and women both sacrifice their families in the pursuit of the, of the love of money. He says in destruction and perdition. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. While some covet after, <laughs> excuse me, uh, they err from the faith. It's interesting, he says, they err from the faith in their pursuits. He's not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about you're getting off course. And you're piercing yourselves. Through with many sorrows or torments. Well, I tell you what, we need to, if God's speaking into your heart, just examine where you are in this concept of your living and your giving and your pursuits. In verse 11, he says, but though, O man of God, flee these things. You see, what we find is people running after the gold mines of this world. And God says just the opposite. Run from it. It's not saying that you shouldn't have success or do the very best you can. And he doesn't say anything about not being rich because in this passage, he does talk about those that have things in this world. But it's the love of those things and the pursuits of those things. What I find, what you pursue can be your demise. And so he tells us, you flee from that. You got to wake up. We got to recognize that the following after those things is wrong. But he says, follow righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience and meekness and fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Now listen, as I said at the very beginning, when he says you're laying hold on eternal life, he's not saying these things are what get you in to heaven. But he's saying you're laying hold or you're grasping, you're understanding that this life is temporal. And you're going to leave everything behind and you're going to stand before Him and give an account of what He has given to you in your life. So I lay hold on it. Eternal life. I'm going to live somewhere for eternity. Where are you going to live for eternity? You ever come to the terms of that? Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life. So what He's talking about here now as a concept is a philosophy. And, and by the way, If I could say this, you know, it is more blessed to give than to receive, yes or no? And I have found that God's math doesn't match human math. 
Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give to your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Do we have a God who's able to take care of us? We do. And listen to me. When we talk about giving or with our money, the concept of how we believe and what our money is, oftentimes man puts their trust in their money rather than in God. And so whether you have little or much, it should not change your pursuit and your trust. And this is what I want you to get this morning so clearly here. How does your giving and doing what God wants you to do with your finances bring glory to the Lord? How does it do that? What is it? I heard someone say it. All right, both of those. It is a blessing to other people. And doesn't the Bible say be a blessing to in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, is talking about our hospitality, our giving to other people and all. And it's also faith. It's about trusting God. How big is your God? Is He able to take care of you? Yet I find that in churches, people today are saying, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I want to hold on to this. I don't, want to, I don't want to do this. I was reading in my Bible Pathways. This is on March... This is in Deuteronomy 14 through 16. And it says, it was interesting. He says, as a general rule, when we make money, we like to hold on to it. Consequently, the tithe, 10%, is an uncomfortable subject among many Christians. We view it as a duty, or even worse, as a tax levied by God. How could he do that? there and preach a whole message, couldn't I? By the way, everything you and I have is from God. And I show my thanksgiving to God by honoring Him. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. You see, honoring Him means to show what your belief is and who He is. And I have found that God is more than able to take care of me when I do what He asks me to do. And what you will find, my friend, is you'll find leanness in your soul and in your life when we don't do what God wants us to do. We view it as a duty even more as a tax. Just as we do with our government tax forms each spring, we double and triple check for every conceivable deduction that could possibly lower our bill to God. By the way, the tithe was before uh, the law. Do you all know that? Abraham paid tithe. I don't know why he chose. The word tithe means a tenth. I don't know why he did that. I mean, when Melchizedek came to him, he gave him a tithe. And it was interesting because uh, uh, that was right in that, that story when uh, Abraham went and rescued Lot and the kings. Do you all remember that story? He went and rescued those uh, kings, that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and brought them back. And there was uh, the, the bounty of the war and everything. And the kings said to him, he says, listen, Abraham, you take all this spoil here so you're, you can have this. And, and Abraham says, listen, I don't want to take any of it. I'm not even going to take a shoestring. Lest you say that you made me rich and not God. That's a good philosophy. God is able to take care of us. We have a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. I want to tell you something, my friends. I could never believe what God has done for my wife and I and our family. Never, never in my wildest imagination 
what God has done for us. We have an incredible God who takes good care of us, good care of us. The tithe of the produce from the ground and from the herbs were brought in recognition that God was the source of all mercies and all blessings of life. God claims the tithe not because He needs the possessions, but as an essential part of worship and praise. You see, as I trust God to take care of me, and He will, in doing what God wants you to do. And I believe that the tithes is a good place to start. But you and I need to be sensitive and listening to what God has us to do. You know, over at the property, when people are out there working, we'll have people show up and bring donuts. Have you noticed how they're working? <laughs> Yesterday, someone made sub-sandwiches for the crew. By the way, we're going to have work days every Saturday. And I hear that they're going to bring food every Saturday. From now till the 23rd of, of May. So uh, those work days are taking place. If you'd like to come out there, we'd love to have you come out there. It's a blessing serving the Lord. We had a great work day yesterday. Sub sandwiches. The only trouble with eating sub sandwiches is you really don't want to go back to work after you're done. I, of course, I didn't really want to work before, but I really didn't want to work after, after eating all that, that food. God takes care of us. Listen to what this article concludes with. Talking about the love of money or the consumer mentality or the construction mentality. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The self-centered, self-pleasing person who lives only to get, to have, to hold, to keep, discovers too late that life becomes less satisfying with the passing of every year. He becomes obsessed that everyone and everything from the government to Christian charities are trying to take it from him. When we freely and happily offer our tithes and gifts and our lives by joining with others and combining time, talents, and resources to further the kingdom of God, however, our lives become rich and satisfying regardless of our material possessions. Are we discovering that there's far greater satisfaction in good relationships and who God is? Oh, to enjoy Him. So he goes on in this passage here. It says, flee and follow. Fight the good fight. There's three points right there in those things. I want you to go... By the way, verse 12 says, "...and has professed a good profession before many witnesses." Do you know, as we serve God... And we have the right mindset towards our possessions. He said, we're going to have a good witness out there. And we need to have a good witness. Oftentimes, people don't make their God big. They make Him small. God is big enough. And the way you're going to bring glory to the Lord is you trust Him to take care of you. It's not about the government taking care of you. It's not about the church taking care of you. It's about God taking care of you. And I have found when there have been needs in my life, I've come to and said, Lord, you know these needs. And by the way, He knows our needs before we even ask Him. Isn't that right? And He oftentimes have the answer on the way. Have you discovered a God like that? You discover a God like that, you're going to be bringing Him glory because of the truth of the trust that you have in Him and not others. He says, I give you charge in the sight of God. And then I want you to go to verse 17 because we need to finish up this message them that are rich in this world. There's nothing wrong with being rich. 
By the way, everyone in this room is rich. You go over to Africa and third world countries. How would you like to be in, uh, was it Nepal? How many people died in Nepal? 6,000 people or plus. Charge them that are rich in this world. Don't be high-minded. Nor trust in the uncertain riches of the living God. So if you've got a surplus, which we all have, give richly all things. Uh, excuse me, who God giveth us richly all things to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what God has given to you. Amen to that. In fact, we ought to taste and see that the Lord is good. And they that do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. God's saying your heart and my heart needs to be looking and ready. If God says, I want you to do this, go out and do it. Oh, you say, well, I... You know, oftentimes we make the decisions based on our calculation rather than our obedience to God. And we miss out on so many treasures that God would have wanted to give to us. But because of our disobedience, do good, ready to distribute. And then he says in verse 19, and I love verse 19, laying up in store God's layaway plan. Remember, getting into heaven is a gift. By the grace of God and through His mercy, He sent His Son to rescue sinners so they could go to heaven. That's a gift. But now God's layaway plan is when you get up there, there's going to be rewards. He says, lay up a good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life again. That you might grasp that we're going to leave everything behind here. And we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives. You know, I want to give this uh, this verse here, Hebrews eleven six. I've tried to memorize this scripture because the devil has his placebo. He has his beautiful little trinkets out there, and uh, and sometimes we fail to turn over the rocks of what Satan's trying to offer us, and we don't see the maggots that can be a part of that life that is going in the wrong direction. And I would hope that this morning, every one of us would be convinced, man, I don't want to go the wrong direction. I want to go the right direction. God, you just lead me. You just speak to my heart. You will never regret it. But this verse here of promise, but without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible. Are we living by faith? Without faith... It is impossible to please Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a... God has a layaway plan. He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Yes or no? You know, we need to believe all of God's Word, don't we? We don't want to pick and choose. Let me go back to this verse. Some of you... How many know the story of Balaam? Balaam, listen, and this is, this. I, I want to warn you, there's traps out there. When God, when, when uh, the king of Syria, I think it was, I'm not sure. Does anybody know? Syria, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it was the king of Syria. Anyway, he came with an entourage of some wealthy things on camels to Balaam and said, Balaam, we want you to come and curse Israel. And, and Balaam says, oh no, oh no. So what did the king uh, uh, come next time around? He brought a few more donkeys or, or mules or, or camels and loaded them with more stuff. 
And when, when Balaam sees that, he says, well, well, you know, man, that's a little bit more. What is the price of which you'll sell your soul? You know, God sometimes warns us and he says, don't take the next step. It could be the wrong step in your life. And you and I need to be praying for God to lead us in what he has for us and trust in him. Balaam decided to go and as he was going, the donkey had to tell him, you know, this is a stupid idea. God was ready to kill Balaam. And I have seen people sell their souls and their future and the rewards of eternity because of present day situations. By the way, there's a story in uh, Acts chapter 5. It's interesting. How many know the story? How many know these people up here? That's, that's, that's uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Turn to Acts chapter 5. Let me just conclude with this. Just real quick. Our time is gone. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, verse 1. He says, there was a certain man named Ananias. Ananias means Jehovah is gracious. Interesting. Uh, with Sapphira, you know what Sapphira means? Beautiful. We get sapphire, beautiful. They sold a possession. And here in a good act here, we see they kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the... There's a warning here, I believe. There's a couple warnings here. But you don't want to do something to have notoriety before men. And they brought this to the certain apostles' feet. And Peter said unto Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Now, the word filled there is the idea of control. Here, Ananias and Sapphira, they're, they're actually doing a fairly good deed. Would you not agree? They didn't have to do that. In fact, Peter reminded them of that. He says, why has Satan taken control of you? Why are you now allowing the devil or the world's philosophy to dictate the directions of your life? And what we're about to see is a very severe consequence to this early church. He says, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. That's an interesting concept there. Keep back part of the price of the land. God knows our downsetting and uprising. He knows the words that we say. We are kept in his presence. He says, while it remains, was it not thine own? And after you sold it, was it not your own? You, you didn't have to even give it. But why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? There's some pride going on here. There's some... Some issues that are taking place in their heart. He says, you've not just lied unto men, but you've lied unto God. It's interesting. God is called, the Holy Spirit is called God here. Because you notice that in verse 3. And Ananias, hearing these things, he fell down and gave up the ghost. He died. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. What you're going to find oftentimes in the Bible, when there's first in the Bible's mention... That sometimes there's greater consequences. And it, it seems like God is using this for the early church to help the early church understand that God means what he says. 
For some reason, we have come to the place where we don't think God means what he says. And so the ushers carried him out. After they finished digging the grave out in the parking lot, they come back in, and three hours later, guess who shows up? His wife. Now, you didn't hear me say this, all right? But some people have said that it takes a woman three hours longer to get ready for church than a man, all right? Now, I didn't say that, all right? And I'm getting some glares back from some of the ladies. But she shows up, and she, too, had conceived in her heart this lie. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We need to be real. We don't need to be living lies. We need to be honest with ourselves. We're on. If God's speaking to us, be obedient. Balaam, don't take that step of unrighteousness. You don't know the decisions that you make, how the consequences can come into you. And I just want to warn you, there's traps out there. Sapphira comes in and she says, hey, did you do it? Peter asked, did you do it? Oh, yeah, we did it. How did you both conceive this concept together? She died. Verse 11 says, And great fear came across the church. Does God mean what He says? Can I, as your pastor, just tell you right now, just believe what God says and do what God says. There's blessings beyond your wildest imaginations. And that blessing starts with understanding that you have a God who loves you and is bigger than you, bigger than your problems, and can take care of you. And even when the problems come your way, there's a heaven awaiting you where justice is really going to take place. I heard Dr. David Jeremiah, he's following this series on uh, NBC, on this AD uh, that's on. It's going to be on tonight. I encourage all of you to watch it. It starts at 8, which is last week's uh, uh, thing, and then at 9 o'clock is the new one. And uh, he preached on uh, Acts uh, 5 on Ananias and Sapphira. And if you watched AD last week, I think it was last week you saw Ananias and Sapphira. And so I listened to his message because he's trying to help embellish some things that are not brought out in, in uh, the movie and, and you know, make sure that we are getting some things right or getting some things, getting it right, I should say. And he says, you know, he says there's a picture. I mean, this is quite severe. He says, he used this illustration. He says, if a boy in school goes up and decks a classmate, what happens to him? He's sent to the principal's office. If while he's going to the principal's office, he decks the teacher, he's suspended. Well, what if while he's going home, he's still mad, and he decks a police officer? He's put in jail. If he keeps on going, he goes up to the President of the United States and goes to smack him, what happens to him? He's shot dead. And then David Jeremiah said this. He says, you know, as you see the levels of accountability going up in authority, there's greater consequences. Can I say, someday we're going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of glory, and I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. As we look at this final passage, I just want to encourage you. We bring glory to the Lord because we trust him. We depend on him. Whether we're rich or poor, whether we're bond or free, God's not a respecter of person. And don't think because you don't have what somebody else has that you have a lesser life. You have the greatest life that anybody could ever have if you have contentment in who God is and you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Someday you're going to die and spend eternity somewhere. Right now, do you have the answer where you're going to spend eternity? 
If you have Jesus Christ in your soul, you are the richest of all riches. You have heaven waiting for you. It will have nothing compared to what's here in this world. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, why not come? If you're not certain where you're going to spend eternity, why not come to Him today? We're going to give an invitation. Thing, I surrender all. Maybe you just need to surrender your eternity and say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I know that I know where I'm going to spend eternity. How about you? And then secondly, if God's been speaking to your heart during this message, understand that the Word of God has been preached as best as I can. I've tried to shoot straight. I have gain in preaching a message like this, except obedience to the Lord and that He wants us to hear what we've heard today. And my friends, if you're going on a wrong path, you have so much to gain by getting up. To trust the Lord and to give Him glory. Father, I pray to this end that You'll help us on our journey. Lord, throughout our journey, help us not to become high-minded, nor trust in our certain riches, nor fail to, to just not be looking at how blessing to others, how we can be a blessing to whatever you would have in our obedience to you and knowing that you're big enough to take care of us no matter whatever you ask of us. I think sometimes we're afraid to even consider what you ask because of our lack of faith. Help us understand, but without faith, it's impossible to please you. May fathers, we come to the services tonight, help us to be mindful of your power and your strength. Great is thy faithfulness. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. 300 and 378 if you need the books. We're just going to sing one. You take this time to make the decisions that God would have in your life. church, but every day we live in His presence. Isn't that true? Every day I need to be told. Every day, Lord, whatever you want, guide my steps. Does He anything less than that? He deserves our very best, doesn't He? I want to encourage you as you go just every day. God, what do you want me to do? Order my steps. Order my life. Help me to be obedient. You'll never regret it. Thank the Lord. Amen. Well, you come back tonight at the the, uh, uh, Vacation Bible School here and then over at the property at 6. And throughout this week on Wednesday night, I'm going to be speaking on spiritual warfare. On the Saturdays and all the other announcements, the Golden Chosen and all the things that are going on. We almost have too much going on right now. Uh, beginning to feel it with allergies and everything else, you, you begin to feel the, the things that are taking place. But I encourage you, if you have any other needs that you'd like to speak of before you leave, please see me or visit with somebody. There's the sign-up list on the back table. Please read over the bulletin. There are so many things in there to, to, to be mindful of. And may God bless you. Sign up for the ladies' tea. Uh, that is, uh, they have a back table back there. 
It, it, the ladies' tea is just a wonderful opportunity to bring your friends, your neighbors, and anybody to come. Is going to be our speaker. She writes in the Register Guard. Just a godly woman, and I believe you're going to really enjoy her. So whether you're a guest or a member here, would like to come, please sign up for that. You're dismissed.